I do not for one think that the problem was that the band was down. I think that the problem may have been that there was a Stonehenge monument on the stage that was in danger of being crushed by a dwarf. All right? That tended to understate the hugeness of the object. Another edition of Geek Salad. This is episode 6, original soundtrack with music written for or inspired by the podcast Geek Salad. I'm Andy. And I'm Mike. And we're going to be talking to you today about all of our favorite movie soundtracks. Ah, the great music of the oh. 80s, 70s, 60s, you name it, we oh, got it. Oh, hells yes, hells yes, my friend. Anyway, um, before we get into that, because we actually have a very special guest today, yep. will be joining us in just a little bit. Um... Mike, how have you been finding this uh, TV season so far? Ah, it's been going pretty well. Okay, you know, I mean, you know, my, my main shows are like you know, Big Bang Theory, yeah, I Met Your Mother, South Park, of course, yeah. oh god, um, Smallville, mm-hmm. Office. Those are the, really the top shows that I've been watching. Right, so far I'm liking them. Right, I mean, how are you finding South Park? You know, um, okay. Okay. Um, I like some of the episodes. I wasn't really a big fan of the whole uh, episode with Craig, that two-parter episode. Yeah. It, it got kind of a little boring with me. The whole like thing was supposed to be Cloverfield and all that stuff with well, the guinea pigs. Well, the thing, that, the, thing with that, the thing with that episode was that it really just kind of felt like that homeless episode they had, that change, yeah. spare some change. Well, it just kept dragging. You know, right. It was dragging on and on. I mean, right. it was like, it, it, it kind of, it was like stretching it out, you know. It was almost like they were kind of going almost like... It was almost teetering on Family Guy. Yeah, this... It was teetering. This season has been a little disappointing compared to other seasons. However, yeah. uh, last night... That was um, funny. Oh, my God. Uh, we are recording this episode on uh, November 12th. Actually, no, I'm sorry, November 13th. 13th. Right. Um, so the November 12th episode is the elementary school musical episode. Ah, uh, yes, ripping uh, on high school music. Holy shit. Uh, I mean, I, I concur with uh, Cartman that if... This is what's considered cool. I just don't want to live anymore. Absolutely. So I'm going to go home and kill myself. <laughs> Goodbye, my friends. Um, oh. So, yeah, it's been okay. Now, what are your thoughts on The Office this season? I'm liking it so far. Yeah? You know, it's not bad. It's been, it's a little different, though. I mean, you got the whole thing. We know You finally figure out what happened to Ryan. Right. You know, the whole thing. That was the biggest thing that I was waiting for. Um, the new... Human resources person Holly, Holly yeah, who's basically the female Michael. Right, you know, right. She's a geek just like that. Also, you got you know the whole Jim and Pam thing. You mm-hmm. know that now their relationship looks like it's kind of who knows where that's going to happen. You know, and that's the thing that's I got to stop you right there because that, right. that's the thing that's been driving me nuts about this season. It's like they're you know on their team of writers they've got somebody who's got such a hard on yep. to um to just you know break them up just kind of like you know they, they want to make them a. Uh, they want to make him another Ross and Rachel, right? And it's just getting I'll a little. Get off again. Yeah, it's just getting a little silly. Apart from that, I found that the uh, season so far has been pretty funny. Yeah, and um, you know, it's um, I'm gonna you know, it's still one of the funniest shows on TV. Even weak episodes are funnier than anything else right. you'll you're see still on have TV. Some kind of laugh. Great. Basically. Yep. So let's get to our topic at hand: uh, movie soundtracks. Right now, we did have a criteria that we kind of had to stick to. Um, some songs and albums released in tandem with the movie's release right. that include movies about music, something like The Commitments, but not full-out musicals, like high school musicals. Right. We also even talked about, you know, we were going to originally maybe even throw some orchestral soundtracks, but we thought there's so many things out there, 
we decided to maybe just add that in Christ, another that's show. That's, that's going to be another show. That's a whole other show. So look for that next year, kids. So anyway, um, the reason why we're doing the movie soundtrack is mainly because it's now becoming a dying art. Yeah. Um, really, today's soundtracks, if they're not musicals like Mamma Mia, right. uh, they're mainly a way for the filmmaker to kind of voice their music collection on you or to show you how list, how how their audience, how cool they are and how you could never hang with them. Well, basically, they're all taking all those like you know top 40 you know greatest hits now, those now albums, and well, they're just taking song, picking songs off of them and just putting them on soundtracks. Well, it's not even that. It's stuff like um, Juno, where essentially what uh, Diablo Cody decided to do was raid her CD collection and find any any music that had anything that sounded kind of like a retarded uh, nursery rhyme. And here is the steeple We sure are cute for two ugly people I don't see what anyone can see In anyone else But Pebbles, forgive me The trees, forgive me So why can't you forgive me? I don't see what anyone can see In anyone else But I will find my niche in your car with Zach Braff is guilty of this in Garden State. Yeah. Wes Anderson is guilty of this in everything. And you can always almost guarantee there's always going to be a kink song in there somewhere. Yeah. Because they are trying to speak to me in some way, but whatever. But we do have a special guest today, as I mentioned earlier in the show. Uh, we've got Jim. Jim, who we uh, talked about on episode two, because his dad was the one with the Odyssey. Yes. And I'm sorry for that. <laughs> And uh, Jim's gonna. Jim's one of our, our our music experts here, so he's gonna give his two cents, expound some wisdom on us, and um, see see what we can get to by the end of the show. How you doing today? Oh, I'm I'm great. Great. What's great. going on, everybody? <laughs> We're having a good time here, man. It, it seems like it. Yeah. Good. Yeah. It's it's always a fun time. You know, else has a fun time every time he contributes is our friend Mike from CC. So he's going to talk a little bit about uh, soundtracks from the 80s. So take it away, Mike. Howdy, guys. Movie soundtracks. Where do I begin? Hmm. Well, I think I'll just come out and say it. The 80s was the golden age of movie soundtracks. That was a time when the music in movies actually made sense. When was the last time you had a song in the movie soundtrack that was actually named after the movie? In the 80s, we had, among others... Cindy Lauper's The Goonies Are Good Enough, Kenny Loggins' Footloose, and Oingo Boingo's Weird Science, sung, by the way, by future prolific movie composer Danny Elfman. How Pretty in Pink was based on a song of the same name by Psychedelic Furs. Kenny Loggins also wrote the theme song to Caddyshack, I'm Alright, after seeing a rough cut of the film. How often these days does a songwriter write the song specifically for the movie? Not including the James Bond movies, of course. If you want more proof, listen to the soundtrack to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. This was actually one of the first CDs I ever bought, and it's one of my prized possessions. I got it used at a tiny shop on Martha's Vineyard when I was like 15 years old. Each song, except maybe track 4, fits perfectly where they put it in the film. It's amazing. The filmmakers actually had to think about each of the songs and the placement for it in this movie. Why can't movie makers do this anymore? Romantic movie... Throw in a bunch of sappy love songs by popular artists. Horror movie? Grab some rock songs with people yelling incoherently. Now, don't get me wrong, I love the Spider-Man movies. But the soundtracks seem like they just grabbed a bunch of popular artists 
and threw them on to entice people to buy the CD. Did Vindicated really make any sense on Spider-Man 2? Maybe if Spider-Man had spent the entire movie trying to vindicate himself to the world instead of being all whiny. I don't know. And then, from 2001 to 2005, were there any movie trailers that didn't have that friggin' Let the bodies hit the floor song? Come on, it was so annoying. Anyway, that's it from me again. One of these times we'll have to discuss movie scores, so Andy and I can discuss the pros and cons of James Horner. Sorry, inside joke. Anyway, until next time, be excellent to each other. And, party on, dudes! Thanks a lot, Mike. That was awesome. Should start calling him our correspondent. You he, know. he really is our, our he outside is, correspondent. Here. He is our correspondent in the field. And Mike, he is going to be joining us on our next show. Nice. We we'll get the live. So we we'll get, get get live, Mike, which is kind of cool. Excellent. Um, yeah. One one soundtrack Mike me- failed to mention though when he was talking about movie trailers. You know, he's talking about how anytime you have a horror movie or an action movie, now you get like you get bodies. From Drowning yeah, yeah. Pool. Yeah. Uh, back in the from the mid to late nineties, you know what you know what was really that filled that bill? I know. Go for it. it uh, that would be White Zombie. That would be yeah, more yep. human than human. Yeah. You can't have an action movie without that. Well, the funny thing is, with Rob Zombie, if he wasn't putting a soundtrack in, he was making a movie. Right. And they weren't really that great. No, no, they weren't. Again, if you have if you if you floored Michael Myers with four bullets, you still have two left in the chamber, emptying them into his head. Well, Donald Pleasance might have lived if he had just learned to do that. But he didn't. But he didn't. And but, the, but the thing is, though, was he punished for his crimes? No. He lived. <laughs> Somehow he lived in a room that exploded and everybody was <laughs> charred to a crisp, but Donald Pleasance lived. <laughs> Batman would have died. Donald Pleasance lived. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah. Um, now, kind of getting into that vein of... Like, having that effect, that white zombie effect, the drowning pool effect. I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the eye of the tiger effect. Of course. Um, The eye of the tiger effect is essentially uh, any movie that features an inspirational rock anthem during a training. It's the power song. Or a self-realization moment. Right. Uh, Most likely, that song is performed by Survivor. Yep. I think it's just a way of Stallone uh, thanking them for Eye of the Tiger back in 1982's Rocky III right. and giving them the day off of Arby's. Pretty much. <laughs> and the funny thing is after like even like Rocky IV had that anthem too, I think there was another Survivor tune that they kind of put in there. So yeah. Survivor almost became like their poster child. Right. Um, so, I mean, you get songs like Eye of the Tiger, obviously. You've got the best... keyboard. Absolutely. They must all have it. Absolutely. If they don't, it's not an anthem. Well, that's what killed... It's just a hair metal song. Well, that's essentially what, what, what just drains the legitimacy out of a three-hour epic like Scarface, is the fact that halfway through, there's a high-energy high, high energy Casio keyboard song called Push It, Push to, it to the, the Limit, limit. 
where it's like, well, now you're doing lots of coke. It's like, <laughs> doo, 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 doo. well, I, I think the high energy Casio keyboard is a metaphor for cocaine. It, yeah. I, it very well could be. Um, what about the touch? Oh, great song. Now, here's the thing. A lot That's of people... That's the song that fit. That's when Optimus Prime came out and started killing everybody. Well, okay. yeah. Now, this is the Stan Bush anthem, The right. Touch. Here's the thing. As big of a geek as I am, I didn't realize it came from Transformers the movie. I honestly thought that Dirk Diggler wrote it. You thought it was from and, Boogie Nights. Yeah, right? and yeah. sang it in Boogie Nights. Everyone was in there. I'm going, oh my god, they actually put that song in the movie. I was yeah. like, I was shocked. You know there's a petition online to get the, the touch added to um, another version of Guitar Hero? That'd be perfect, actually. If no, they can't do hysterical. that, get rock band. I mean, yeah, either, either of them. <laughs> Another one, and Mike, this is one of your favorites, uh, oh. the Frank Stallone uh, classic, oh, it's my Far From Saint. Over. That's my patron saying, hey, look at that, Frank Stallone, we got Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. You know, and Frank, you know, he's always getting that song, he's got that bandana yep. with for him and that perm. I mean, what more can you ask for? Oh. And don't forget that I hate my brother look on his face. <laughs> <laughs> um, Actually, I used to confuse uh, Frank Stallone with the guy who played the brother on Bachelor Party. <laughs> Adrian's mad? No, Adrian's mad. That was the friend. Oh, the, the other brother guy. was the doctor. The other was guy. married to Wendy Joe Sperber. <laughs> so oh. that's what I thought he looked like. Yeah. Now, Mike, I, I know I've told you this. I don't know, Jim, if I've ever shared this story with you. I don't, I don't But know. Um, a couple of years ago, uh, a toy company started putting out the Rocky action figures, and one of their chase figures, one of their limited edition chase figures, was the Frank Stallone figure. Oh yeah. I tried my damnedest, Mike, to get that for you for Christmas. Oh, I would have had that in a glass jar. Oh yeah. <laughs> With candles, everything. <laughs> I got the new house coming, so I can get a nice little shelf for it. If you have a find, there you it. go. There you go. If I do find that, I will, I will, I will, I will scour eBay high and low for that one. All for right. You. I'm sure you could find a poster. Oh, sure. Easily. I mean, unfortunately, at that point, you'd probably pack up your fiance, send her home, and just have some tender nights with you and <laughs> Frank, Frank, and you know, uh, a Jello and a. You know, it's it, it really is kind of a weight to bear when you you are Jackie Stallone's least favorite human being. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty sad. Oh boy. Moving on. Um, there's a lot of great movies about music. Yeah. This kind of this is really this doesn't skirt the line of musicals because most of them are about bands trying to right. to make it get their big break. It's the rock songs, too. I mean, oh. that's what it was. The rock bands doing their rock songs. Oh, or yeah. Even other types of music, but it really fit the genre of that movie. Right, exactly. Um, I mean, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention one of the biggest soundtracks ever, Purple Rain. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Uh, Prince. I, honestly, that is an awesome soundtrack. I don't care what you think about Prince. I think everybody owns that album. Uh, yeah, I, I would say so. Or someone has it or had it. Yeah. Right. You know, at least you had it at some point in your life. Obviously, it was a, just a, a small moment of brilliance, though, because, I mean, think about what he did after that. He did right. Graffiti Bridge, yep. which was the um, the sequel yep. to Purple Rain. Which was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I believe the review I read, it was like one of those one-star, half-star reviews in Rolling Stone where they're like, this soundtrack is as good as the movie is bad. Well, think about and that's not a compliment. Well, think about this for a second, too. After three movies or four movies, finally the directors all got together and said, we, we, we can't let Prince act anymore. How long did it take them to take, you know, to get Elvis away from the the big screen? It took, probably had a, lot, it took a lot longer, and Elvis was horrible, so this doesn't say much for <laughs> Prince's acting skills. You right. know, I think they should have shifted more toward Morris Day in the time. They should have. Because, because, you know, Morris Day deserved a movie outside of uh, the adventures of Ford Fairlane. Absolutely. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think. I don't think he was in anything else. I do know if he was ever in a movie, he always wore his cheetah skin jacket. Absolutely. Yeah. And Jerome was there with the mayor. Jerome was there. Hey, yeah. His, well, his manservant. His manservant. Absolutely. <laughs> um, then Prince also went on to do Batman. Oh, the bat dance. Yeah, this oh. is one of, one of the weird th- phenomenon of the late 80s, early to mid 90s was that ins- music inspired by... Yep. Which, we got our title from that today. Um, what, two songs, two or three songs from the Batman soundtrack actually ended up in the movie, and everything else was kind of just mu- music inspired by. Right. And if you ever read the lyric sheet, if you actually pulled out the liner notes and looked at it, each each like the title of the song and then as sung by. Right. And then one of the characters. So you just throw the voices in. That's yeah. what they kind of did for the Bat Dance. You know, the funny story about that, I remember when I first saw that movie... Like a rented on video, and I'm going, oh, I love the music. This, I love the music. This, but it was more of the orchestral soundtrack, right. Danny Elfman stuff. So I'm looking out, and I bought it, thinking that was the Danny Elfman stuff. And I'm going, wait, why is Prince on here? You're fool! <laughs> you know, and then I realized it was you another fool. one. It was the one with like you know, he's up against the moon. I don't understand That's why what people, I wanted. I don't understand why people argue with me when I say that Prince is crazy. I don't. I don't get it. Well, listen, Kevin Smith talked about how crazy he was. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> listen to that one if you ever have a chance. Evening, Kevin Smith. That's oh, a good one. Um, then there's singles. Jim, you're a big fan I of the love, singles. I love that soundtrack. I that's my favorite soundtrack because I'm a big fan of grunge. But it's another one of those soundtracks that comes from a movie that's not so good. I mean, it's it's not it's not a horrible movie, but the soundtrack you know completely outshines it. Well, the, well, the it, funny thing is, the grunge doesn't really fit the movie in a sense sometimes. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't. No, like, it's, 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 a rom- tone, it's a romantic comedy it does, with yeah. long hair. It's all it is is just where it. It's just. You know, it's, where it t- it's where it takes place. Right, it takes right. place in okay. the middle of Seattle. It's twenty-year-olds in Seattle, and they're right. going to clubs, and, <laughs> and everything grunges. I mean, yes, not, no, it, yes. Alice in Chains does not really spread love. That's true. <laughs> not really, but no, they just snuff the rooster. No, but uh. you, you got you know something though. That I I think that soundtrack really did spring Pearl Jam. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I think it did. I'll totally agree with you. I, I agree with you there. Um, and the funny thing is too is that they did throw Mother Love Bone in there to kind of. Give you like uh, that point counterpoint. That's yeah. the best song on the album. Well, it, it's it is one of the best songs on the album. It didn't make me want to go buy that album though, that Andrew Wood album before he died. It just it didn't. Oh, it did for me. Yeah, I went out. It? And, oh, it's it's awesome. It's just, that's a great album. Hey, he died of heroin. No yeah. way. No. Oh. <laughs> a Seattle musician dying of heroin. Yeah, I know. That, that, yeah. Get out. Yeah. Add that one to the list. That, yeah, that doesn't happen. <laughs> oh, brother, where art thou? Which is kind of a um, that's more of a throwback. It's a surprise yeah. that it did so well. I mean, I guess in hindsight, maybe not because country music's a lot bigger than any of us right. up north. But, but that's are never going to admit that's yep. bluegrass. Right. That's one of those movies in sound. That I see. I feel that soundtrack got pushed on us because you know you have. The movie. Well, you had Clooney. What's the name of the the Coen Brothers? The yep. Coen Brothers are considered cultural icons now, right? And because they think bluegrass is cool, they pushed it on us. And of course, we're all a bunch of lemmings and zombies. And we said, "Ooh, yeah, I do like bluegrass." And then you buy this at <laughs> the stupid soundtrack, and it's like, "What the heck?" There, there's, there's actually four or three or four versions of um, "Man of Constant Sorrow" on the album. Yeah. Okay. Only one of them is sung by the band that is supposed to be the George Clooney and John Turturro and Tim Blake Nelson band. Yeah, all I know is I listened to that album and I, I looked at a picture of my cousin. She looked far more attractive to me. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh uh, boy, I better stop listening to this one. Oh, 
that went into the, the pile. Yeah. <laughs> now, what about Spinal Tap? Because I, I do think that Spinal Tap has an awesome soundtrack. That's one of my favorites. Awesome songs. And they're all done by them. Right. That's the great thing about it, is they're all done by those guys. I mean, you know, Christopher Guest, um, Harry Shearer, and Michael McKeon. Yep. I mean, that was great. I mean, they, you know, they took that rock version, like, you know, the stereotypes of, like, you know, the heavy metal guys. The review you had on Shark Sandwich, which was merely a two-word review, just said, shit sandwich. And yeah. the songs were great, too. I mean, right. Well, that's what it was supposed to be. I mean, right. everybody's watched Spinal Tap multiple times. Right, absolutely. But the thing about all the, but the, about the soundtrack and, and the style of music, all it does is it just expounds on the ridiculousness of the rock and roll lifestyle and... The decadence. The de- well, it's the decadence, but I mean, you listen to like Big Bottom has tons of Led Zeppelin in it because Led Zeppelin always, you know, every once in a while they throw something about getting right. your lemon squeezed. The bigger the cushion, the sweeter the cushion. That's what I said. The looser the waistband, the deeper the quicksand. Or so I have read. My baby fits me like a. Stonehenge that thing. Was great. <laughs> Stonehenge comes down. It's like twelve inches. Yeah, it's tall. like twelve inches tall. And the midgets are walking around ready to step on it. <laughs> right. I mean, the funny thing with that is, though, is that a lot of people I think forget that there's actually a movie soundtrack yeah. out for it. I mean, the movie is so popular. I think it's overshadowed its soundtrack. And right. oh, of- I don't think so. A lot of people. I mean, it was it was one of the top five hundred albums. I think on Rolling Stones. Really. I, I think it was one of them. It's great. It's a, it's a it's a it's a a cultural icon of the right. 80s. There's Absolutely. no doubt about right. it. It's a parody album that 80s. doesn't sound like a parody album. Right. No, it's actually serious. They're, they're all serious musicians, but right. they just decided right. that they would take a shot at the entire rock industry. Right. Just think later on down the road, did Mighty Wind. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's another great soundtrack. All yeah. the music on there was done with the folk music. And here's a, here's a big confusion that a lot of people have with Spinal Tap. Is I, I think a lot of people are under the impression that uh, Christopher Guest directed Spinal Tap because it's so much like those other movies. And it's Rob Reiner. Right. right. That, that would be Meathead. Right. Yes. Very funny in that butter, movie, by the way. Butter. <laughs> oh, it's it's. Um, now one that's that that's pretty popular in our house because it's just it's it's a it's a lot of fun is the Full Monty. Absolutely. I've never seen the Full Monty. I've never seen the big fat no. guys getting naked. Can't ask for that. Yeah. There's I, a I, lot I, of good. Um, there's a lot of good music in there. A lot yeah. of good disco in there, and you've got um, Joe Cocker and the Michelob Horns. Doing, uh, <laughs> doing. Leave your hat on. <laughs> For anybody who's is there, not, a, is there ever been a stripper movie made past 1968 that didn't have that song in it? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't because think I, so. I suspect. 
the Demi Moore movie of the same name stripper <laughs> probably had that. Is that striptease? Oh, striptease? Is it striptease? I don't know. It's so yeah. horrible. It's yeah. one of those movies I just try to forget about. But if anybody's not familiar with my term, the Michelob horns, um, YouTube any 1980s Michelob commercials, <laughs> and there's nothing but that slow band of, trom- of, of trumpets and trombones and saxophones. <laughs> oh, what it tends to be is popular bands from the late 60s and 70s doing reunion tours like Eric Clapton mm-hmm. and then they felt like well the well, music di- the music I, didn't age so well what are we going to do I can't carry this on my own talent so right. this isn't the karate kid so we can't put a high energy casio keyboard to Eric Clapton I got it let's put some brass in it <laughs> um what about the commitments oh i I love the commitments. I know I said singles is my favorite soundtrack, but that's it's right up there. Second. Oh, it's, it's great it's awesome. Oh, I guess I gotta put your flat feet on the ground. Sing it through all the time, girls. All you wanna do is ride around Sally. Ride, Sally, All you wanna do. I, 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 none of those people ever showed up again, except one of the chicks who's in it. Not the two hot ones, but the one who has the dude, the, the guy's haircut. She looks like a twelve-year-old little boy. Yeah. She ends up in Phantom Menace at the very beginning, and she ends up getting blown up. Yep, she's also in Pulp Fiction. That's right. She was, was yeah, she in yeah. Pulp Fiction. Yeah, she, she was, was the, the one talking Roseanne Arquette. She was the girl who got hot, like Wicked High. Oh, there was none of. Oh, yo. yeah, yeah, no, she tons was of those. Like Wicked High and. Um, Got freaked out when they dropped the uh, syringe into Uma Thurman's chest. There was something about the piercing. Yeah, yeah, that was that, her. that was her. Um, actually, the guitar player from the Commitments won an Oscar this year. Oh, Glenn, that's, that's right, Glenn Hasnard. Um, and I just saw the movie this summer. Uh, it's called Once. It's yep. an excellent movie. Yeah, every it's, time you throw it on demand for about three or four months, you got ads for that. Yeah, it's, good, though. it's a very good movie. I mean, it's. You can't compare the music to the commitments. The commitments is soul. Right. The commitments is that say it once, say it I'm proud, say it loud. I'm black and I'm proud. Yeah. Uh, once is much more folk oriented. Um, Falling slowly though is an awesome song. I highly recommend picking that one up, even if you don't like the entire album. And there's you know hits and misses on that, right. but um, Falling slowly is an excellent song. So check that one out. Um, how about a Footloose? Why? I, you know, well, Footloose, you know, like you were saying earlier about Oh Brother Where Art, though, I think that movie was forced on us, because when it came out, all the girls liked Footloose. Got to see Kevin Bacon. No, what it was was all the roller skating rinks in the country got together and said, hey, let's force the music industry and the movie industry to put out an album so people will come and skate and shoot the duck <laughs> to all of our music. And so, lo and behold, and Kevin Bacon kind of got thrown in the mix, and yeah. he had Footloose. Right. But, you know, the funny thing about Footloose is, I mean, a lot of that music, a lot of people know. You right. Know, first off, it does give us the great Kenny Loggins. Well, yeah, they, you know, they, they went out and they, they got notable musicians. Absolutely. Right. You know, I got that. I mean, Lee Foreigner was on there. Uh, Bonnie Tyler did uh, uh, Holding Out for a Hero, which um, is now, like, the uh, the staple for cologne ads everywhere. And uh, Mike Reno. I was and, about to uh, say, they, they dragged Ann Wilson out of the out of an Arby's by her ankles to come up and sing that. <laughs> Oh, Mike Reno came out with his bandana, you yeah. know, and he was all set. So. You know, he's still rocking that bandana, by the way. Oh, yeah. He weighs about 8,000 pounds. You know, I he saw him squeeze yeah, that I, bandana. Yeah, I know where you're going with, because he used to be 
36, 32. Now he's 32, 36. 36. <laughs> he hasn't been missing any meals. And the only funny thing was when I first saw, like, first saw him in con- like first saw him like on a video. I thought that was David Hasselhoff, <laughs> just a blonde version. All right, one that we it's kind of loosely related to the whole movies about music is heavy metal. Um, I think oh. it's heavy metal in the fact that it's. A movie called Heavy Metal. There's a lot of heavy metal music. Hagar. Um, yeah, I was about to say, Sammy Hagar doesn't really... Yeah, Journey, yeah, that's yeah. not exactly heavy metal. I, I think that was the idea when it came out, right. that and tons and tons of bouncing tits. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Kenny when you need him? I see that you are enticed by my daughter's awesome rocking tits. Then bathe with my daughter in the fountain of Varna. Appease the gods by lathering her boobs with soapy suds. Okay. You know, topless broads flying on pterodactyls. The woman riding a dragon. Hey, I got an idea. Let's assault the fortress in nothing but assless pants. (laughs) No. That's all you need. That's true. Have either of you guys actually seen Heavy Metal 2? Yes, it's awful. Right. Heavy Metal 2? I mean, what does Heavy Metal 2? Um, it was like one plot. It wasn't like five little plots right. like the other one. It was right. like one movie. Right. Essentially what they did was they took um, Julie Strain, who was like a penthouse pet, mm-hmm. and animated her. Oh, really? They, could, they couldn't get Dame Judi Dench to do this? <laughs> no. Oh. They, um, they took her, and you know she's just a badass warrior woman who submits to no man, blah, 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 tits, blah, blah. <laughs> she, she strips down and gets into the, you know... You know the heavy metal uniform, which basically has like you know a bra, crotchless pants, and, and like she, in one knife in the it, in the gauntlet. And she's on a journey to get to Lilith Fest or something. <laughs> oh, good lord! Anyway, uh, what about movies that have soundtracks that essentially mirror our parents' record collections? Okay. Back in the day, I mean, you get stuff like The Big Chill, yep. uh, mm. Forrest Gump. You know, um, I, I have a feeling that you know later on down the line, Stand by Me. Yep. Oh, yeah, Stand by Me. That one. Um, I, I figured down the line somewhere, Scarlett will probably try to steal the Wedding Singer, so she gets all that great right. '80s. You know, what's funny about the Wedding Singer was is they had a lot of good '80s songs, not like you know the old quintessential ones you hear like every single time. Right. Like, you didn't have like, Take on Me. They had like Past the Ducci was on there. I mean, you don't hear that song all the time. Right. It kind of made it a little more popular. You heard like you know was it Private Idaho by B52s? Well, the ones I mean, that, like the songs that weren't like so they were popular, but yet. You're like, oh yeah, that was popular. Was it the other song? It was the other song. Oh, good. No, the one have the other song. The one beef I have about the wedding singer, and I'll probably never be able to say this on another podcast because I don't think I'll ever have the opportunity to, is that it takes place in 1985. Right. Yet for some reason, they still listen to music from 1982 and 1983 on a regular basis. Yeah. They haven't really made it a. You know, Aww. it's not like they haven't established. Oh, yeah, I just but like what that are you band. talking about? That's that's not. I mean, you listen to music from three years oh, ago. Oh, I, yeah. I do too, but um, in terms of it just being part of the regular pop culture, I mean, back in the 80s, cultural fads just came and well, went. Well, what, what, what year was the movie supposed to be? It was 85. 80, it was 85. 85. Mm-hmm. So if you, to make it a better movie, they should have just relegated to things from 1985? I don't think that they had to do that per se, but it just it drove me a little nuts. It's like, okay, why would anybody be getting excited that uh, after the fires, Dirk Commissar is coming on the radio... Three years after its original yeah, release, yeah, I think okay. I think you're nitpicking. Okay, I think you're sorry, nitpicking. Sorry, but it's the last time I'll probably ever be able to bring that up. Yeah, don't again. <laughs> Boogie Nights. I think Boogie Nights is an awesome soundtrack because you soundtrack. get two decades worth of, of great music, yeah, lots absolutely. of great disco. Yeah, but but uh, no, I, I like it too. I mean, I, I mean, it it certainly you know represents the decadence of the you know the the, the studio fifty four you know decadence of the seventies. Mm. 
But let, let's face facts. If you didn't see Dirk Diggler's gigantic pack of rent, Schwan's big Schwan's that big rubber one that he had. <laughs> what? That was fake. What? They spoiled for you. Oh, I gotta <laughs> leave. Sorry. <laughs> um, well, Boogie Nights did close out. I think with one of the two of the best songs to ever close out a movie ever. Yeah, Yellow's Living Thing. Yeah. Uh, you also had uh, God Only Knows by the Beach Boys, and I'm not a, I don't even really even like the yeah, Beach Boys. Yeah, but it comes from a great album. Though. Yeah. Pets, yeah, I mean it comes from Pet Sounds. Right. The best part of that movie, I've always thought, was Alfred Molina singing Sister Christian <laughs> in his tighties. In his yeah. tighty whiteies. It's tough to look at Alfred Molina in his tighty you know, whiteies. It's funny. I remember seeing Alfred Molina. The first time I saw Alfred Molina was in Not Without My Daughter with Sally Field, and he's just beating the crap out of Sally Field because he's got that you know. Gee, let me guess. He played a Muslim. He plays a yeah. Muslim. Wow. Yes. And then of course, and then, he, then I see him in Boogie Nights. You know, like just a happy-go-lucky yes, drug, Jesse's girl. drug dealer. You know, singing like this mixtape with a little Chinese guy in the back. You know, lighting the firecrackers. By the way, if there was an ever a, a, a movie about all of our buddies, Chuck Crocker would play um, Alfred Molina. Oh. <laughs> oh. Like, and I've seen them both in the tidy whiteies. Oh. <laughs> Can I throw something in? Sure. It's right. a little off. I was thinking about this today. I thought today I wanted to. You know, I was I was looking around. I was looking at holiday soundtracks because there's a lot of good ones. <clears throat> you know, I mean, Holiday Inn. Yeah, it's it's not exactly politically correct, but I won't get into that now. So I was, you know, I was looking online. I'm like, geez, what was a really good holiday soundtrack? And you know what I actually found was Elf. That's not a bad soundtrack. But 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 there was one thing about Elf, and it just sprung to my head. And I've heard the song a thousand times, and it never came to me before. It's that song. Baby, it's cold outside. Yeah, yeah. That really should be called a very date rape Christmas. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Because read the li- listen to the lyrics. He basically he admits he stuck a roofie in her drink. Oh, he did. She's like she's sitting there going, "Hey, what's in this drink?" He's like, "Hey, it's cold outside. Come on in. <laughs> Come on." And I, I just needed to throw that in because I really in- I always liked that song. But then I realized it was sung by a gin-soaked Dean Martin. Yeah, you know. And, and God, he wouldn't be trying to do... He would never stick a roofie in one no, of his... No, never. No, in the never. cigarette girls. I don't know if you ever heard the outtakes from that song, but I believe they're... Say, what's in my ass? <laughs> oh. Oh, stick a roofie in your drink. <laughs> you think he got a roofie in Adrian Barbosa's cannibal run? Oh. Please. Yeah. You know, she never looked good. Ever. That's not true. When she, she died like a- in the swamp thing... Her 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 afro was wetted down, <laughs> and the swamp thing saved her. I've always thought she looked like a plucked chicken. <laughs> no, no, she, no. I, I thought she looked okay. And anything else? She's not now. She oh looks, yeah. Oh, now she looks haggard. She's worn. Yeah. Uh, Days and confused. Obviously, nothing but stoner music. Yep. Well, yeah. As far but, as the but eye that, can see, that is a good soundtrack. Yeah. Just because I mean, you got Zeppelin on it. I mean, Zeppelin will make any soundtrack. You could have Zeppelin and Bridges of Madison County soundtrack, and I'd make it good. <laughs> I do want to go back actually to Forrest Gump. All right, man, because you know whether you like the movie or not, because the movie was kind of was kind of shoved down our throats too. It was different. You know, it was a good movie, but it was just shoved down your throat. But the music actually was great. A lot of great sixties yeah. songs. Whether you had like the Mamas and the Papas, Aretha Franklin, Bob Dylan, you know, Beach Boys, um, you know, the Doors, Simon and Garfunkel. I mean, I'm reading it actually right off the thing right now. Yeah, Joan <laughs> Baez telling me that my country sucks. <laughs> I mean, you going from that to Randy Newman, B.J. Thomas. I mean, you name it. It was some great musicians back in that yeah. time. And I thought that actually had a great. It was a Good mix of music. Hmm. Um, so, real real quick, just to kind of stay on topic with Forrest Gump, it did. You know, there's scenes in Vietnam yeah. on that. 
we we came to this conclusion. Actually, I think Jim, you and I came to this conclusion when we went to go see Forrest Gump back in 1994. Yes. Vietnam movies equal certain songs. You can't have a Vietnam movie. You can't be in the right. jungles of Vietnam without the following songs. Okay. Buffalo Springfield's for what it's worth. Mm-hmm. Creedence Clearwater Revival's Fortunate, Fortunate Son. Son. And God knows, every time they show the tree, dun, that, dun, that dun, pan dun, shot. Dun, 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 dun. You pan, you pan down from the helicopters down, some guy's walking through the jungle with a pack of smoke strapped to his helmet, and there's all along the watchtower. Yeah, Sergeant Crotch Rod's trying to pull a bungee stick out of somebody's foot, and they're playing that song. Bob Dylan, who's sitting there going, I didn't really intend this song to be a wartime song. <laughs> And meanwhile, really Jimi Hendrix is like, I don't care, I got a big dick, I don't care. <laughs> I'm going to use it to play my guitar with. Which he did. Yeah, Well, Here's the thing about Forrest, and I'll leave Forrest Gump with this. This is all I'm going to say about Forrest Gump. In my mind, a great soundtrack would always, in Wayne's world was like this, it kind of would make older music sound new and fresh. Mm. And Forrest Gump, when it came out, it didn't kind of push us back to Creedence Clearwater Water Revival or anything like that. Like, you know, Boogie Nights came out. All of a sudden, there were these radio stations that were doing nothing but disco. Right. You know, um, Wayne's World came out, and all these teenagers going, "Have you heard that new song by Queen? That band Queen? It's like thirty years old at the time, but everybody thought it was new and fresh." You know, Forrest Gump didn't really do that. I mean, I didn't want to sit there and you know, go out and buy I, I don't the know, Four Tops, the Four Tops, or something like that, or Jackie Del Shannon, or something <laughs> like that. I mean, I mean, I think this. That movie, and you know, you like it or hate it, and you're right, it's shoved down your throat, but it's more about the movie than the soundtrack. Right. The soundtrack is truly what it is meant to be a soundtrack. It's just, you know, movie throughout the years. So, yeah, right. I mean, I think it's a good soundtrack, but I wouldn't call it like a seminal, real important soundtrack. I mean, right. the movie outshadowed it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, one last thing on our, our uh, parents' collection of, of old song soundtracks Animal House. And really, the only reason why we mention Animal House is because of. Going to an Otis Day shout, yeah. I mean, Jesus, why the hell is it every time we go to a wedding we have to do that little bit wedding. something now, a little bit softer now? What about an eighth grade dance? Well, an eighth, eighth grade dance. Yeah, all the popular the kids would get out and do a little bit softer now, and we'd be, you know, sitting there. Sitting there. No, we yeah. wouldn't be making fun of them. You know, we'd try to step out there, and they'd say, no, you're not yeah. popular enough. Yeah. <laughs> well, if it isn't the leader of the Wiener Patrol boning up on his nerd legend. Get back over there, louder now. Get back over there. <laughs> um, yeah, I've seen it at a ton of weddings, though, and it's usually just the excuse yeah. to get all the white people to go out and dance. Yeah. Um, I expect that at the end of the month, at the wedding we're all going to be attending, yeah. that I'm sure that we'll be doing a little bit louder now, a little bit softer now. Yeah, but now. I, I, I think it will be Expose's cover of it. <laughs> hey, you guys forgot, though, but a very important, albeit horrible, horrible soundtrack the Grease soundtrack. Ooh, ooh. Well, we didn't really count that because it's a musical. Yeah, but... But the movie got so... Po- all right, I yeah, but you know, but... Because you know, the movie was so popular. Movie, I mean, it was so popular. Yeah. And now what they do is they would, instead of playing every single song off of it, they just have one of those horrible club mixes. Yeah. Oh. It's, it's, it's like, it's like it a trilogy of funk. It's a trilogy of Grease. Yeah. yeah. It is bad. I mean, I wish they did with Grease 2 and <coughs> Cool Rider and... Oh, that would have been awesome. Yeah, that would have Well, you know, that didn't give us Adrian's Met. I mean, Adrian's Met was already doing... um. Uh, dance fever yeah. that gave us Maxwell Caulfield. That's true. Yeah, yeah, but we can't shortchange the fact it also gave us Michelle Pfeiffer. And one more person was in there, Shooter McGavin. 
this is true. Shooter McGavin was in. I forgot Christopher McDonald was in. He was, he, in was, he was Goose. Yes. Oh. He was Goose. Is he the one who tried to get his girlfriend in a um, on a bomb? Do we no, that was bang the other his guy with the bomb? Oh yeah. <laughs> one of them tried to bang their girlfriend in a bomb shelter. Yep. <laughs> Goose good. is out on the outside, basically. They're going to get all the notes and stuff. Get all the. Yeah, that's right. right. That's right. Let's do it for our country. Hey. <laughs> Aren't, aren't the fifties great, everybody? I think there's a double meaning, and let's do it for. You know what? That's one actually movie. Speaking of that, it's one we didn't think of. American Graffiti. Oh, oh American! Yeah. That's, that's, that's an excellent one. That's an excellent one. You know, that gave us a lot. I guess you know, gave a lot of great actors at that time. The music was great in that time. And right. It's the one that you can continually have to remind yourself that George Lucas directed it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like the only non-space movie he's ever directed. True. Ever. Well, science fiction, but this is true. Well, yeah. Um, I know Richard Gere and his hamster must sit up at night and just <laughs> pull out a bottle of wine and listen to that. <laughs> what did that have on it? Oh, one, two, three o'clock, four o'clock, a rocket. Yeah, it had, it had, a lot of the fifties, like you know, like the Bill 50s Haley, and early sixties, you know, exactly. Which essentially are indistinguishable. Everything from nineteen sixty-three sounds exactly like something from the nineteen fifties. This is true. Speaking of that, yeah, I don't know if it was the fifties or the sixties, but. Um, I hate to... Oh, God. Dirty dancing. Oh, God. My, and if my wife listens to this, it, it, it was... It, that was a big soundtrack. Now, the problem with that soundtrack was it had current songs, even though they're in the 50s. They were all, right. you know, dancing around to, like, these instruments that haven't even been invented yet. Right. Nobody I, found that was weird. Actually, I've had time my life was written, really, in the 60s. Come on. Right, now, exactly. if somebody heard a high-energy Casio keyboard back then, they'd have thought the commies are coming. <laughs> Oh, boy. Um, now, are you guys aware of the 1981 congressional bill that passed uh, stating that Kenny Loggins had to appear on the majority of movie soundtracks throughout the decade? Yes. We've yeah. already talked about Footloose. I remember going to a rally for that one. Yeah. Um, I remember, yeah, I remember actually in 91 when they, they voted to overturn it. Yes. And then we just kind of, then he started doing Wing the Pooh songs. Yeah, yeah. Um, Kenny Loggins appeared in what? I mean, pretty much, you can look at the way he bookended the decade. Yeah. In 1980... Actually, it was 1978, really, but what the hell? Caddyshack. It's an 80s movie. It was Caddyshack with I'm Alright. You know, the funny thing is, he always had two songs. Like, there was that one song, and then, of course, we'll call it the other hit. <laughs> hit yeah. You know, there was always that... Oh, you know, no, you'll call it that. So, <laughs> yes, I will. Um, so he had that. He had Footloose, obviously. Yep. Footloose. He had two songs. That's right. Mike is correct on that, though. He had um, Footloose. And then um, I'm Free. I'm Free. Don't you just want to get in a wife beater in your bobby socks and dance around <laughs> to that one? Boy, that's... Uh, Top Gun. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. And they had uh, Playing With The Boys. Oh, that's right. So and then two he, more songs in there. Then what? he capped the decade off, though, with Caddyshack 2. Uh, Was he yeah, on Caddyshack 2? Yeah, I'm going yeah. all the way. That's the one where you saw Jonathan Silverman running to get the girl diet root beer. She drank one sip and then dropped it. You didn't see the movie, did you? It had no. Jackie Mason. I was going to say, I know, I know, Jackie Mason's in it. Yes. Uh, who's the evil villain in that one, though? Oh, Robert oh. Stack. Is it, it is Robert Stack. That's right. They had to get an uptight. <laughs> they had to get an uptight actor, an uptight actor, or some yep. some sort. Oh, so um, from there, let's go talk about like one of the phenomenons of the uh, the '90s movie soundtracks. that called the sweet mixtape. Essentially, most of the songs, if not all the songs, had nothing to do with the movie itself. Maybe one or two right. appeared in it. Uh, that's again that original music appearing in or inspired by the movie. Um, but there was some really good stuff that came out of that decade, though. Um, Empire Records, shitty movie, but awesome soundtrack. Yeah, there's a lot of good songs. There's a one. lot of good stuff on there. I mean, they still play Edward and Collins today. They mm-hmm. still play Girl Like You today. They always play the Gin Blossom song as well. That's like Girl Like You. That was a good song. That's an excellent that's song. That's my favorite song. Um, 
So I Married an Axe Murder is actually one of the first CDs I bought. Yeah, that's the two versions of There She Goes. Yeah, the two versions of There She now Goes. I don't remember. Which one was the original? Um, The Laws, the Laws was the original the version. The Boo okay. Radleys was, the, um, that was the, the remake. That was the kind of the little faster the version. The reason why I bought that, though, was for uh, Ned's Atomic Dustbin had put out um, Saturday Night, okay. originally from the Bay City Rollers. Oh, yeah. Um, excellent, excellent soundtrack. Now, that movie didn't age well at all. No. I mean, that movie really just kind of shows... You watch it once, that's well, all you there, do. It exposes... Yeah, but everybody, Michael... everybody watches it because, you know, Michael Myers, Michael Myers does, or Mike Myers does a really good Scottish, Scottish yeah. accent, so yeah. he Shrek. basically those, those shoves that up your keystone. That was the prelude to Shrek. Right. Um, the Crow, oh. which we'll talk about in a little bit, but uh, excellent, excellent Absolutely. soundtrack. One of the, yeah, it... It is not. Now, you're it's, right about when, when you were saying that, you know, the songs don't necessarily have something to do with the movie, but they're all dark and dank and, and depressing, yeah, which, yeah. you know, The Crow obviously is. I mean, I don't think the sun shows its face. Right, no, not at all. Movie. It rains the entire, during the entire yeah, movie it rains until the very end. So, right? these are what I would call more more atmospheric. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. Not, it's not there to... It's there to enhance the movie, but it's not there to tell the story. It's right. just kind of a, right, right. It's like a flavoring, if right. you will. Uh, Batman Forever, which actually is an excellent soundtrack. Um, the U2 two song songs. Is the U2's song is good on it. Yeah. Two yeah. songs appeared Maybe actually in the movie. Me, yeah. me, kiss Me, yeah. Kiss That's me, a great yeah. song. That and Kiss um, From a Rose showed up. They both showed up at the end of the movie. None right. of this stuff showed up. I think like one or two songs may have appeared like in the background somewhere. No. But it's a good soundtrack because it offered a, just a different mix of stuff. I mean, you had Nick Cave on there. Uh, Train Spotting. I don't know if you guys ever heard the Train Spotting uh, soundtrack. No. What's his name? It's Iggy Pop. I was about to West say, Life it's Life all about, there. yeah, but think about it, though. I mean, Iggy Pop was a horrendous drug abuser. Right. And yep. it's, a, it's a movie about drug abusers. Right, but it's so, not just... He's, right he's there, not the only one on there, though. Got, <laughs> no, 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 you absolutely. you from um, no, but Blondie, you've got New Order on there. you got a lot yeah, of good stuff. Yeah, but they're very decadent songs. A lot of new, right. dark, new wave, type, right. dark wave type stuff. But right. what song do you think of when you think of the train spotting? Iggy Pop. Oh, you think of Iggy Pop. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's Marie Antoinette, which came out a couple of years ago. I, and haven't, I, I don't know anything that's on that one. This is, I mean, it's an excellent mixtape because it offers, um, I mean, the first half of it is is like Vivaldi and a yep. lot of chamber music, a lot of music of the time. It's and like then, Bacharach. what do they do, break out into Rat after that? No, actually what they do is um, half, about halfway through the movie, they transition into a lot of like late 70s, early 80s British pop. You had um, Susie and the Banshees on there, you had New Order. Yep. On there, uh, just a lot. It's it, it's it's an interesting mix of stuff, and it just makes an. I, I, I'm not going to call it a road mix. So I don't think I'd pop it in, you know, going down that long highway somewhere. But <laughs> well, to, to coin a phrase, it's it's different. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very different. It's, 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 different. I mean, it, it's certainly. I don't. I mean, it, be, I didn't see Marie Antoinette, so I don't know what do they do halfway through the movie. They when they're all going up to the guillotine. They all start playing <laughs> Susie and the Banshees. No, no, <laughs> it's, for me, a lot a lot of it has to do with after she becomes queen. The music changes. Oh, and it changes from you know the stodgy chamber music into the passenger kind of the music of her time. Marie's you know? Queen, let's rock. <laughs> wow. Um, now, in terms of soundtrack excellence, you got to hand it to one man, Quentin Tarantino. For really, you like that? I think, yeah, I do. Amazing. Oh my enough, god, huh? I'm learned, glad I'm learning depends tonight. <laughs> Um, put out some of the, the best soundtracks of the 90s um, and a couple of decent ones this decade as well. Uh, Reservoir Dogs, yep. which, you know, you, you get Stephen Wright oh, yeah, doing, doing the Cape Billy Super Sounds. This is the Cape Billy Super Sounds. you have a clip of that? I don't, oh, actually. I can't darn. find one anywhere. Oh, so um, but, yeah, the Reservoir Dogs soundtrack, Pulp Fiction, is one of my favorite soundtracks of all time. Looks like me and Vincent caught you boys at breakfast. Sorry about that. Did you have it? 
Hamburgers. Hamburgers! The cornerstone of any nutritious breakfast. It gave us Mais a Lou. I mean, that's well, you know, yeah, Dick but my, Dale. I mean, you know, it's been around. Yeah, but you know what the best? I, I love Al Green. And I love the Al Green tune on that. It's it's cool because it 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 it, it pulls different songs from that era. I mean, I know it sounds simplistic, but I mean, it takes things from all corners of that of you know of the era that he's trying to capture. Granted, it's I mean, and the cool thing is, it fits the movie, but none of that music is contemporary when the movie comes out. Right. So, but but I mean, it fits really really well. It just it, it has like you said, it has nothing to do with the movie at all. At all. It doesn't even really. I mean, it's just kind of fast and, and you know rhythmic and pumping and you know th- that movie. You know, and there's a lot of scenes where it's like that in Pulp Fiction. Well, you I mean, know, okay, we'll take the best scene you know you have in the movie when oh. basically when Ving Rhames oh. gets, gets in the ass. I was here. It starts kicking it every time you hear that song. That's all you can think. Yeah, of it's, now, it's, you know, he's obviously got a real. It's, it's you know what it is. It's quirky. It's right, just yeah. also it's a quirky little little inserts here and they like that. I mean, some poor guys getting ass raped and they in there and they're playing. You know, it's not. What is it? What song is that? Oh, is that tequila? No, that's no, the beginning no, of the, the beginning no, of tequila. Isn't it? Yeah, I'm not. I'm it's, not just sure. a, it's just a sax. I can't remember the song. It's on the soundtrack. The, thi- the thing with the Tarantino soundtracks are, and this you can actually extend to uh, Scorsese as well, is that they don't tend to have an orchestral score to under to underscore the movie. Right. So this is really the only thing they have to do to supplement the atmosphere of the movie is by just going through the record collection and seeing what will fit where. Right. Um. And I think I think it works. I think that you know, start the movie off with Dick Dale after after they're getting ready to uh, to rob ju- the place. It's Jungle Boogie. Yeah. Then you go right into Jungle Boogie, um, instead of a preacher man, which you know, great yeah. song. Absolutely. But yes. has but has nothing to do with the movie right. at all. No. But it's just he's very good at. But if, if, if you look at the tone, it fits the, the tone of the scene. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you know, like you know, they're getting ready for action. You know, they you know they're getting geared up to go rob a bank, and they start playing Dick Dale. It's really hard. You know, it's yeah. pumping, and it's it's right. it's, it's, it's it's adrenaline sounding. But I mean, it's yeah, but it's good because he didn't feel like he had to resort to White Zombie or or you know some other right. band from back then. You know, and even so when I, he used a contemporary uh, musician, like in, in the Kill Bill one and two, he used the uh, the RZA from uh, the Wu Tang Clan, and what he did was he didn't make it it wasn't overtly hip hop ish or anything right. like that. He he came up with a lot of good just quick clips to just, you know, when when Oren Ishii is walking down the hall with her cohorts, you just get that bam 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 and that's that's really all you needed. Well it's kinda like that rocking down the aisle sound, you know, it'd be cool music for like a wrestler to come out. Well funny oh, is, you know what's funny thing is now though everybody uses it. You know, yeah. Every time you see it, it's one of those songs. That's just basically now it's getting shoved down your throat because every time you have some kind of walk scene, everybody's using it. Right. I mean, yeah. it could be, you know, everybody loves Raymond, and Doris <laughs> Roberts is walking down the stairs and just <laughs> da da da. <laughs> oh God. Oh, God. <laughs> it could um, be one of those Arby's commercials where they're gonna go get one of those brand new deli sandwiches. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually gonna go to Arby's. Burn Jared and Subway. Oh God. <laughs> God. When he's showing his giant pants. <laughs> da, da, da. Oh, God. It's not Clay Hunter. God, he could fit the village people in that. <laughs> um, now, we've talked about a lot of great movies that had great soundtracks. Um, there, there's a lot of movies, though. Awesome, awesome soundtracks. Absolutely shitty movies. I mean, just yep. fucking shitty movies. Flash Gordon. And I know that you guys were too. Flash Gordon isn't a shitty movie. It's so bad, it's actually amusing. 
Like, Reality Bites is shitty. Yeah. I mean, it's like... Reality Bites is an overrated Yeah, adventure, it's, right? it's it's crap. I mean, it's one of those movies, like I said, it's just, it's, it's, it's just made for... Like, hey, hey, you know what? I was driving down the road the other day, and The Knack came on. Let's make a movie right, exactly. and base it around The Knack. It's a, it's a movie written about Gen Xers, written by people who think written they know what Gen, Gen Xers... Who written, written by people who think they know what Gen Xers do. Right. Yes, they, they all dress like ghouls, and they and they all have high-paying oh, jobs. Right. And yeah, everybody has a token gay friend yeah, who's right. in the closet yep. and self-loathing. Yep. Then, of course, you know, you get the one that basically is pissed off at the world, a.k.a. Ethan Hawke, and basically just wants to piss on everybody say, I love you, but I hate you, too. <laughs> Screw you, man. I'm going to have to make boring movies with Julie Delpy, man. Go oh, don't say that. I'm going to sing Echo of the Body Man. God, there's nothing like a movie about two people sitting around on a bus in Vienna talking. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm sorry, there's a train in Vienna. What was I thinking? Oh, uh, and the question is, will they do it? <laughs> the answer, who gives a shit? <laughs> now, Flash Gordon, though, um, you're right. Flash! Not one of not one of Brian May's better moments. Right, I'm just out of ideas. It's, it's, it's one of those movies that you're right. It's it's so bad that it's watchable. Absolutely. Oh, um, even the soundtrack though is so bad that it's listenable. It's, it's sort of like an '80s campy B movie sci-fi flick. Just for right. Me. It was like it was almost like the like Plan Nine from Outer Space in '80s form. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not that's saying too far, but yeah. you know, even minus like, the you good know, acting. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the thing is, I remember when the movie came you out. You see, <laughs> yeah, I remember Mike, when I, the movie came yeah. out, and it was the selling point wasn't so much as a movie about Flash Gordon. You got Sam Jones in it. You've got Max von Sydow as yeah, Ming Sam the Jones Merciless. Did a horrible job. He had to re, he had to redub his own voice because he was so they bad. They sold the entire, you know, the entire movie was sold on the soundtrack. It's like Flash Gordon was soundtrack by Queen. Yes. Go see it now, asshole. Yeah, but you try driving down the road and have that song, put that song on, and not be bopping up and down, and you you, know, you wouldn't even know you're doing it. Hey, right. And you're bopping up and down like a vibrator sitting Hey, there. look at it. What's, it, look Whoa, at the, what's, what's that? that? What's that one movie? Uh, uh, the skating movie with Will Ferrell. And, uh... Huh? And the, what's his name? And John Heater. Oh, um... Blades of Glory. Blades yeah, of Glory. they actually skated to that. Oh, they had the light up, they had the light up costumes. All of a sudden, they were, they were just skating to Flash Gordon. Yeah, we're well, not one of Will Ferrell's best moments. No, speaking and... of Queen, not uh, just getting. I mean, they actually had. It's funny. Queen had like another song, like another album that was actually like the soundtrack to the Highlander. The Highlander. Movie, but well, no, but, but it was not the Highlander no, soundtrack. In fact, I have it right here. Well, no, but it, but it was like if you see the video, there's a video for it, I believe. Right. Yeah, it's, uh, but uh, who wants to live forever? Right. It, I, I, it's not on the soundtrack at all. It is. Who wants to live forever should be. Yeah, it should be on here. Yeah, right here. Yeah, number six. Yeah. And what's the name of the the, the uh, album? Like a kind, a kind of, magic. of magic. Ah. And they're all blue. They look like the blue meanies from. I mean, first <laughs> off, you look at this is technically the Highlander soundtrack. Yet there is nothing in here that even shows the Highlander on here. Would you want to have anything with Christopher Lambert if you're trying to sell it? I wouldn't. But they got the Kurgan's theme right here. Give me the price. <laughs> and that's uh, what's his name? Uh, Clancy Jones. Clancy, jo- Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown. Sorry. It's like look at this. It's like not even here. We got okay. Here we go. We got a picture of them standing here with sparks all around them. Okay. Hey, Freddie's wearing a sleeveless vest. And Freddie looks, you know, looks like a gay porn star here. Mm. And uh, did you know he's Indian? Oh, wait a no, he is. Freddie Mercury we is a small Indian picture of Christopher Lambert. Uh, oh, there's well, a small. Now picture. we know why the album didn't sell because it was you know that's all they had. <laughs> but look at this. Hey, like, let's make a movie about Tarzan. You know, make him French. <laughs> it looks like Yellow Submarine almost. In a sense, well, that's what know? I was saying. It's kind of like the Blue Meanies right, thing. Yeah. On there. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, 
Now, we're also talking about the best songs from soundtracks, just stuff that maybe the soundtrack was okay, maybe maybe we bought or whatever. It's more of the standout songs. Uh, um, Ghostbusters, Mike, you had brought up. Absolutely. I think that's, I mean, that's a song that everybody knows. Yeah. Even kids now know it. I mean, I had some of my classmates, these are second graders, actually knew the song. I had yeah. one whole class singing it to me. Wow. I mean, that's how scary funny it was. And these kids are now, like, did they it's th- like 20 years after that movie came out. Did they think it was Ghostbusters or I Want a New Drug? No, they thought it was Ghostbusters. <laughs> I know, uh, yeah. That's a great story. And I'm glad that uh, Huey Lewis brings it up every time someone shoves a microphone in his face. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Look, Huey, how you doing? Like, oh, I know yeah. I was supposed to write the uh, theme to Ghostbusters, but I didn't ask you that. And they, they, they uh, had Ray Parker do it, but he stole my music. Well, and well, he was with the other woman. <laughs> He's known for having a giant dink and wearing jean jackets and having a mullet. <laughs> Give him a break. Um, another you. great song from a... I, I, I honestly think this movie's overrated, but uh, Don't You Forget About Me from Simple Minds, The yeah. Breakfast Club. That's, I think that, that movie's quintessential. incredibly overrated. That's the quintessential song for that movie, though. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very good soundtrack. I don't so much. I wouldn't agree with it's overrated, but no, but I, TBS shoved it down our throats. No, TNT, TBS, it was like on like every set time there was back never, to back with sixteen candles. Yeah, but there was never a movie ever made about that. I mean, that was. I mean, no. it was it was like the class warfare. You know, I mean, I, I know I know what you're saying. I mean, yeah, it's first of all, you know, anything with the Brat Pack kind of takes yeah. the luster off of it, right? You know, because I mean, right after that they went and made that crap turd Saint Saint Elmo's, Elmo's Fire. fire. Right. <laughs> I also say, actually, any song and other songs that we can all talk about is pretty much most songs from James Bond movies. Yeah. They always had that one great quintessential song that really kind of kicked in, like, you know, Goldfinger. Um, then you had, like, later on, you know, Duran Duran did View to a Kill yeah. in the 80s. Um, I actually heard an interesting thing, just on the subject of Bond real quick, um, on the Stuck in the 80s podcast, mm-hmm. where they were saying, because they were going over the James Bond movies of the 1980s, it's like, okay, you've got the, one of the greatest pop culture decades of all time in the 1980s, one of the greatest action franchises of all time, the James Bond franchise. The problem is, it's just like putting mustard with ice cream. They just didn't mix well together. Yeah. Because there's... I defy you to name a good James Bond movie from the 1980s, but A View to a Kill is an excellent is an excellent um, theme. No, I, I think... Um, I for, for your eyes only isn't bad. I didn't mind Octopussy. Oh, every time... That's a great name. Octopussy. 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 And he says it like three times, and every time I just have to giggle. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the giant evil henchman with the turban. Right. I am looking forward, though, to um, Quantum of Solace. I haven't heard the new theme yet. I love the Chris Cornell theme from uh, Casino Royale. Mm-hmm. Well, Chris I mean, Cornell was like, too know, much Madonna did Die Another Day. That was, that was off. It's, I, I didn't find it, was... it. It was an okay song. I mean, they used that vocalizer thing that kind of ruined it, I think, right. a little bit. But other than that, it wasn't it, a bad song. The, the garbage theme uh, wasn't too bad. Yep. Um, oh, yeah. But uh, the Cheryl yeah. Crow. Uh, Tina Turner did one. She, 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 did, did, um, gold, gold, she did Goldeneye. That was a good one. Yeah, Goldeneye was too bad. Yeah, the Cheryl Crow, Die Another Day. No, not Die Another Day. Um... No, it was one we saw, I think. No, no, Tomorrow Never Dies. Okay. She, Tomorrow Never Dies, and it was just awful. I mean, yeah. it's just, I think, widely accepted as being one of the worst Bond themes ever. Why would you want to have a folk singer do it? I yeah. don't know. Well, this is back before she was really doing the folk Lilith Fair thing. No, no, she's always been kind of folksy. That's her you know, at least we had Tom Jones doing Thunderball, though. I mean, because <laughs> I don't think any... I don't think there's a better person to sing a song, you know, Thunderball... Than Tom Jones. I threw my panties at the I was TV about to screen. Say, well, I like can't use more like Thunderballs. I think so. Sean Connery did too. <laughs> oh, look at those Thunderballs. Jesus Christ. Uh, I so. 
Let's kind of culminate here with some of the, like, what we, we consider to be some of the best soundtracks of all time. All right. uh, we, we already talked about The Crow. Yeah. I think The Crow is excellent. Um, I think it really did a good job of kind of bringing that more that dark industrial music, not so much goth music, but like darker industrial music into the limelight, into, kind of into the mainstream. Yep. Singles. Mm-hmm. Fantastic soundtrack. Songs from NXS. Yep. I don't know who the hell Jimmy Barnes is, but I'm assuming he sang on them. Well, the problem I got is they're trying to make a gothy movie, and they've got Lou Graham. Yeah, yeah. And Lou Graham to me isn't dark or gothy. <laughs> Lou Graham is mustache rock. Yeah, that is true. I will totally agree with you on that. Let's see. At least I go the Bunny Man with their remake of People Are Strange. Strange. It's not too bad. It's actually not a bad remake. It's it's pretty good. I mean, yeah. it's not. It's not totally overdone. Daltrey does um, "Don't Let the uh, Sun Go Down on Me," which is an excellent yeah. song. Get it uh, because they're vampires. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get that well, Tina Turner's uh, saxophone guy. Yep. Did that song? Still believe? Yeah, that was the big Tim Capello. Oh, the big, the big steroid freak. Yeah. And, uh, exactly. Then the big theme from the roster is that "Cry Little Sister" song. Oh yeah. You know, who sang that? Shall not fall. You know, that was, that was the whole thing. Gerald McCann says on the CD right here. Huh. But, um, now, then, who is Jimmy Barnes? Is that in Excess's Roadie that they let sing for a while? Uh, or maybe. Maybe he's the guy who had pictures of Michael Hutchins and a goat or something. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to let me sing on a couple of songs. Okay, we'll just uh, throw them on here on a, a soundtrack to no one will buy. Um, then there's Saturday Night Fever. And I, I've watched Saturday Night Fever maybe a collective once mm-hmm. on TNT. We had a watch in a college class once. We had a pop, it was a pop culture class from like Bill Haley up until now. Yeah. And every like once like a month, you had to watch like, like one movie based on that time frame. And we actually had to sit and watch Saturday Night Fever. And, of course, they had the one scene with the strippers. And our professor goes up to him and goes, it's just one of the wonderful wonderful things we have here in the music department. It was great. <laughs> I'm sure your mother is thrilled to know where her money went for your college education. <laughs> yeah, I got an A in that class. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, um, it's the Bee Gees. It yep. is almost entirely the Bee Gees. And uh, the and, Tavares. And America's finest Portuguese band, Tavares. <laughs> Now, I know that there was a lot of um, a lot of complaints during the 1977 Academy Awards season because the Bee Gees weren't considered for any of their songs. I don't even remember what... I think it was... Actually, I don't even remember what won that year. If you have a guy who's half-balding and you allow him to wear a leisure suit <laughs> with his giant rug of chest hair hanging out in a friggin' medallion, you get what you deserve. <laughs> you don't You don't let your balding... Would, you, would we ever let Bill do that? No. <laughs> no, we wouldn't let Bill do that. So, you know what? Shame on them. No, shame on them. Shame on us for watching that movie. It's a bad, bad movie. I, I don't know. I, I gotta be honest with you, when the little kid with the white white afro fell off the bridge <laughs> that just warmed the cockles of my heart <laughs> that was pretty funny oh boy oh my god he's dead <laughs> i'm gonna go disco dance now yeah. hey donna pesco you're on that show uh angie weren't you yeah, yeah with the guy with the guy from airplane robin hayes <laughs> yeah and 
it just God, I just wanted them all to be eaten by cougars. They were just oh. all awful people. Who cares about them? That actually would have been... my whole day and you hit it. That would have been an awesome scene, though. You know, they got, like, the big climax and the disco and all of a sudden it's like, Hey, who let the cougars in here? Ah! By the way, <laughs> just why there. were they trying to push on me that the woman that he danced... I don't even know what the actress's name is. She was supposed to be hot. She was, I think, ten years older than him. And she was not even remotely hot. No. Where, where, where were all the hotties of the seventies? But no, where was Barbie Benton? I don't know. Jim, why couldn't they got Jim, her? It was the cocaine decade. Farrah Fawcett. You could have had Farrah Fawcett. Yeah, and then one of the Charlie's Angels would fit. Not Kate Jackson. No. no, even no, even then she would have fit. No, for a year. Anyway, anyway, so this is our last show before um, we take a break for Thanksgiving. Yep. The table is set. The festivities have begun. What an uninvited guest has arrived. And this year, there will be no leftovers. White meat, dark meat, all will be carved. From director Eli Roth. Thanksgiving, you'll come home for the holidays in a body bag. Guys, what are you uh, doing for Thanksgiving, Mike? turkey. Jim? I'm going to be going out and buying a new leisure suit. All right. I'm going to be, I'm going to be gluing some hair on myself. Is it going to be like powder blue? It will have giant lapels. Powder blue? Yeah, powder blue. It's going to be powder blue. It's going to be good stuff. Oh, nice job. And I'm pretty much just going to be waiting in anticipation for having to work Black Friday. Yeah. Actually, I'm closing on my house. Oh, fun. This way that weekend, so. Fun yeah, nothing stuff. else is going on that weekend. No, at no, all. At all. No, nothing. 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 Hey, anybody want to come over on Saturday the 30th? Oh, I, you know, I house can't party. think. House party. No, we I can't, can't think. No, we're doing the move that day, remember? We're going to move him stuff right. Oh, that's house. right. That's the biggest, that's the most important event. Absolutely. Of November. Ever. Ever. Wow. I can't think of one important <laughs> thing. No. Anyway, our next uh, show is going to be our 2008 superhero uh, wrap-up. We're going to be talking about Iron Man, The Dark Knight, uh, The Hulk, uh, Hellboy, and we're going to be looking forward to uh, 2009. We're going to take a look at Watchmen. We're going to yes. take a look at The Spirit, which is coming out later on this year, uh, and also the what's going on with the Avengers movie, as well as the JLA movie. It's all the rumors they've been talking about, yeah. and, like you know, with all the different actors that they want to play for these movies that It'll, really don't make any sense. It's going to be a fun time, folks. So uh, It'll be kind of fun to go see that movie with Mike, though, because it'll be Mike in the sitting in a chair by himself with a shampoo bottle. <laughs> it's finally here, guys. <laughs> also, um, we're going to... Uh, the start of 2009, we are going to be putting together our top 20 geek movies, and we yep. need your help to do it. Um, over the next few weeks, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be uh, sending out messages either through our Facebook account or through our MySpace account um, with a nomination ballot of at 40 to 50 of what we consider to be some of the top geek movies, and we want you to help us rank them. These are movies like like cult classics, like movies that kind of like you know define that era, right. or like you know just fun movies you can just have fun with, and you different. know, and they're different, right. absolutely. But they're not just going to be superhero movies, and not just going to be fantasy or sci-fi movies. We're going to have comedy in there. We're going to movies, do- just cult movies, like you know, anything you can think of, right? If you have suggestions, send them our way, and we'll, we'll consider them on our list. Uh, anyway, you can check us out on our website, www.geeksalad.mypodcast.com. Uh, you can download our podcast from there. You can also get it at the iTunes store. Um, you can check us out on MySpace, www.myspace.geeksalad.com, or email us at geeksalad at yahoo.com. Either send us an email or one to a two-minute uh, MP3 WMA file, and we'll be happy to play that on the air. So, uh, Jim, 
Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks. It was fun. Thanks. That's what All I'm right. supposed to say, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go. Yeah, right. I hope you had a good time. We'll pay you later. Anyway, until next time, I'm Andy. And I'm Mike. Have a day.